When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Resident Evil Lorecast, the podcast that will explore the various mediums and lore of the Resident Evil franchise, such as the video games, movies, novels, and more. And here are your hosts, Ariel, Daniel, and Aaron. Got something that might interest you. <laughs> well, welcome back to the Resident Evil Lorecast. I'm your host, Aaron, and joining me are my fellow hosts, Ariel. Hello. And Daniel. Hi there. And today, we're going to be talking about Operation Raccoon City. I just want to say how abrasive Daniel was in the beginning there. <laughs> well, just I can wanna... say hi there to you, too. Jeez. <laughs> well. Some hostility. Because we're talking about a great Resident Evil game, if it was a true story. Yes, this game is not canon to the storyline. It's not? It's not. This game is a what if game. And however great it is, it is not canon to the storyline. You mean we don't get to kill Leon in the real? Uh, No, I'm going to ignore what you just said whatsoever. (laughs) Listeners, ignore him as well. (laughs) So I just want to make mention we are covering this game because of the timeline. It occurs between two and three, which we'll go into more. But the reason Mm -hmm. we're covering this now is because the timeline of it. But for like the 400th time, it's not canon. Uh, Yeah, it's not canon. Some of the stuff we're going to cover in Easter eggs will go into more clarification of why we're covering it right now. Uh, Like you said, timeline wise, but there's some pretty cool Easter eggs in this one. But we'll get to that. First, let's go over our summary. All right. I've got that. It looks like. So in the game, the story focuses on two separate special forces teams, Delta Team and Echo 6, as they take part in missions for their respective commands. Delta Team, an Umbrella Secret Service unit, is assigned by USS Command with the destruction of digital data incriminating Umbrella to the biological outbreak, as well as destroying facilities and killing witnesses to prevent the US government attaining further data. Such missions include the disabling of the city's power grid to prevent anyone using telephones. Echo 6, who operates on behalf of the U.S. government, instead have orders to obtain sensitive umbrella data to take them down, helping out isolated survivors along the way like Jill Valentine and Sherry Birkin. As shown by the way, the ending boss, which is considered a parasite super tyrant, is created, the two campaigns are not connected canonically and instead ask what if this organization had a firm grip during the outbreak. There's our what if. Um, I just want to make mention that Daniel had a slight uptick in his voice, which means he's actually excited about talking about this. I don't know if everybody else <laughs> at home listening heard that slight little uptick. Poor Daniel. <laughs> I mean, there's some awesome characters in this game. <laughs> This game was a lot of fun. It was. I think some of the stories should have been canon. 
you you just think this game should have been canon because you got to off Leon. Hey, I'm listen, we that. don't talk about those dark times. We don't talk about those. Oh, we're gonna. I know. Unfortunately, we have to. But <laughs> all right. So brief synopsis here. Essentially, in this game, you're going to be playing as either Echo or Delta. Yes. Yes. So if you're working for Echo, you are essentially working for the United States government trying yes. to take down Umbrella. And if you choose to play as Delta, you are going to be working for Umbrella and trying to hide all of the corruption and chaos. Yes. Essentially, nutshell synopsis. There you go. So what do we got next on the table to discuss? Let's talk plot. Plot. So. Like we said, the game is separated into two sides. The USS side and the spec ops side. Each side has seven chapters, where players can choose four of the six playable characters per side. So let's go into the USS storyline. USS Delta Team, also known as Wolfpack, enters the Raccoon City Underground Laboratory, where they meet up with USS Alpha Team leader Hunk. My boy Hunk? (laughs) I knew you'd be excited about that. Their mission to assist the Alphas in stopping Dr. William Birkin from handing over his G-Virus research to the U.S. military and retrieve the G-Virus. On their way to Birkin's lab, they find that Birkin has paid off numerous UBCS mercenaries into working for him while the deal goes forward. When they reach Birkin's lab, the doctor is shot at from behind a closed door. Hunk and another Alpha leave with the samples. Heading up the elevator to meet up with Goblin 6, they soon find that Birkin has survived the attack and injected himself with the virus. The creature proceeds to kill off most of Alpha Team before disappearing, and Hunk offers to go back in search of the sample. Not long after the battle, it becomes evident that the T-Virus has leaked citywide, and people are beginning to turn into zombies soon after. And what they see as a punishment by USS Command, Delta Team is ordered to remove evidence of Umbrella's role in the outbreak. Heading into Raccoon City Hall, Delta Team meets with UBCS mercenary Nikolai Genovov. I can't ever say his last name. (laughs) And monitor him. However, he is soon revealed as a traitor and attempts to kill the Wolfpack. Of course, because it's Nikolai. Later, the team is sent out around Raccoon Park to find the Nemesis, which has gone rogue. A second parasite is injected into its body in order to bring it back under control. Shortly after this mission is completed, the team is then sent out to the Raccoon Police Station, ordered to kill any surviving police officers and destroy evidence linking the company to the outbreak. When this is all done, the team exits the station and soon after encounter rookie RPD officer Leon S. Kennedy, whom they begin to hunt down, which is a mistake. The Wolfpack chase Leon through a dozen streets despite his pleas to stop shooting at him. USS Command grow anxious and abandon Wolfpack in favor of Plan B, the deployment of several T-103s and hunters from drop pods. Eventually, after a lot of fighting, Leon successfully evades the squad and they decide to find shelter for a breather, as they should because you don't fight Leon. 
That was my little. That's what you got out of that whole thing. Yep, that's what I got out of it. They mop up a small spec ops force at a barricade outside City Hall, as well as a pack of hunters. The wolf pack then finds themselves ambushed by two T-103s and barely manage to take them down. The team retreats into an abandoned barbershop to catch their breath, making failed attempts to get back in touch with USS Command. Shortly after that, Wolfpack are making a last stand and take down just over 1,000 BOWs attacking their position. Holy shit. Yeah. Umbrella Command decides to give the team one final chance and order them to return to Birkin's lab to find Leon. The team find themselves back at square one and eliminate countless enemies as they make their way through the labs. They engage in battle with Ada Wong briefly before she makes her escape. The self-destruct sequence activates and the Wolfpack see Leon kiss Ada and her supposed death on the control room's camera monitor. Wolfpack then fight their way to the power room to find Leon and Ada missing. With little choice left, they abandon the facility, but not without fighting the super tyrant which emerged from the boiler earlier on. Eventually, USS Command finds the location of Leon, who are also with Claire and Sherry, and sends Wolfpack over to Lonsdale Yard, where they have teamed up with whatever is left of the Army Spec Ops to defend the train yard. The Wolfpack break through their lines despite Claire's attempts at decimating them with a grenade launcher, as well as massive mobs of crimson heads and zombies. With Claire going into retreat, Leon comes out of hiding with a sniper rifle firing at the Wolfpack. The Wolfpack then fire upon the Spec Ops guarding Leon's platform and cause a soldier to bleed heavily, causing a blood frenzy amongst the BOWs. They smash down the barricade and overwhelm the last of the Spec Ops. Wolfpack make their way to the ladder and subdue Leon, using him as bait to lure Sherry and Claire out of hiding. Leon questions what they fight for and the Wolfpack engage each other two on two. The defenders of Leon, believing they can use him as leverage for evac, whilst the assassins believe carrying out these orders will finally earn them evac as well. So let's get into the what should have been the only ending of this game, but it's not. <laughs> Saving Leon. The player character and one other member of Delta Team are forced to kill their former comrades, who argue that Leon S. Kennedy must die in order for the mission to be completed. Afterward, they capture a wounded Kennedy along with Claire Redfield and Sherry Birkin. However, they disregard USS Command's instructions to immediately execute the RPD officer, hoping to use their hostages as leverage for negotiation. Command is outraged by Wolfpack's defiance and refuses to make a deal with traitors, thus causing the former USS operatives to sever their allegiance to Umbrella. What a twist. <laughs> With no further use of Kennedy and his companions, the remaining members of Wolfpack allow them to live, partially to spite Umbrella as well. As they move to depart from the ruins of Raccoon City, the two survivors vow to destroy the Umbrella Corporation from within. Now, let's get into the horrible ending, <laughs> in my opinion. Kill Leon. 
In the alternate ending of the USS campaign, the player character and one other member of Delta Team remain faithful to the Umbrella Corporation, although two other operatives betray the company by protecting Leon. After executing the traitors and Leon, the surviving members of Wolfpack capture Claire Redfield and Sherry Birkin. Contacting USS Command to report the successful completion of their objective, Wolfpack is instructed to kill Claire and deliver Sherry to Umbrella. Claire pleads for mercy, but the player character simply states that they are following orders shortly before shooting her in the head. See? Horrible ending. Although I'm sure a lot of people got enjoyment out of that. <laughs> Not I. Not I. It got oh, dark fast. It got real dark real quick. Yeah. And I will say that much about this game. It has a lovely way of going real dark real quick throughout <laughs> well, the entire game. And I bet a lot of people do appreciate Let's kill off the main characters just because y'all are evil. Y'all are evil. Who's evil? People that would enjoy killing Leon. I enjoyed killing Leon. Maybe we do it out of spite <laughs> for you, Ariel. Exactly. <laughs> I love how you all hate on me. Y'all hate on me. Uh, Jerks. We, assholes. We love you, Ariel. No, you don't. Clearly. <laughs> clearly. I feel the non-existent love. Not true. <laughs> all right. So what do we got next? Next, we've got the Spec Ops storyline. So this is be the U.S. government. Woo. Coming to mop up Umbrella. All right. United States Spec Ops Team Echo 6 is deployed to Raccoon City to investigate an epidemic. Upon arrival, they quickly determine that the city's residents have become zombies. It's not that hard to figure out. No shit. <laughs> Investigating further, they come to the 777 RC radio station, where they are attacked by USS operatives. They take and defend the building until reinforcements arrive. Proceeding towards the Raccoon Police Station, they encounter a survivor, Jill Valentine, but they are ordered not to share their mission objectives with her. She advises them to go instead to City Hall to find answers, but the group is attacked by the Nemesis T-Type. Echo 6 defends Jill and helps her to escape. Soon afterwards, they defend a team of Spec Ops soldiers from the USS Agents and Nemesis and ultimately manage to incapacitate the creature at an STAGLA station. Which is made famous from the original Resident Evil 3 where it is blown up. Alright. Echo 6 proceeds towards City Hall, stopping to erect barricades and alleys to keep the street outside clear. They find a heavy USS presence within and defuse three bombs set up to destroy City Hall and the evidence it contains. In the records room, they find evidence of an umbrella laboratory built beneath the city. En route to the laboratory, the team sees Nemesis shoot down a helicopter, which crashes into the St. Michael Clock Tower. Investigating, they find UBCS soldier Carlos Oliveira and an unconscious Jill Valentine. Echo 6 offers to distract Nemesis while Carlos gets Jill to safety. They take advantage of Nemesis and its rocket launcher to blast open a grate leading to the sewers, which they use to escape the creature. The sewers take them to a steel foundry where they once again encounter Nemesis. They use the foundry's vast supply of molten steel to incapacitate the creature one last time, similar to the Terminator. <laughs> you just had a Terminator reference in there, didn't you? I definitely did. <laughs> Continuing through the sewers, the team encounters Claire Redfield, 
who has no middle name like Leon, who is looking for Sherry Birkin. They travel together for a time, splitting up to look separately after encountering William Birkin in a mutated state, thanks to the G-Virus that I like. <laughs> Eventually, they find Sherry and escort her until she is reunited with Claire. Echo 6 encounters Birkin again outside the entrance to the B.O.W. Programming Laboratory, where they use burning gas jets to subdue him. Echo 6 enters the laboratory, which is defended by heavy USS presence. Within, they find a T-103 Tyrant being programmed to search for Sherry, and they learn that she is carrying a sample of the G-Virus. They attempt to halt the programming process, and in so, in so doing, they awaken it. Echo 6 escapes, setting off the laboratory's self-destruct system in the process. As they escape, the tyrant is set upon by the NE-type parasites and transforms into the parasite Super Tyrant. One of the last strongholds of the USS in the city is the incineration disposal plant P-12A, also known as the Dead Factory. Echo 6 proceeds through a cemetery towards the plant, destroying several turret guns placed to stop them. Once they are inside the plant's incinerator room, Four Eyes springs an ambush of six T-103 Tyrants. Echo 6 requests reinforcements and receives Paracelsus Rail Cannon that helps them make short work of the Tyrants. By this time, Leon, Claire, and Sherry have reached an extraction point at Lonsdale Yard but they are under assault from USS forces. Echo 6 arrives to defend them, and they also kill the Parasite Super Tyrant. The final blow is a hand grenade jammed into a gaping wound in its belly. Leon, Claire, and Sherry are extracted by a helicopter, but Echo 6 is informed that they need to remain in Raccoon City to deal with a new threat that apparently only they can stop. And that's all I have on that. Again, that slight uptick in your voice. I mean, I like this game. You know this. I like the story. The trailer itself was awesome. Yeah, this game, other than, you know, the alternate Leon ending, was a lot of fun. I did enjoy this game. What I enjoyed most out of this one was the fact that we could see in action the simultaneous events that are happening in 2 and 3. You could feel it in this one. Whereas two and three, even when played separately today, even if you played them back to back, you still don't feel like it's actually happening at the same time. Now, the remakes that they come out with that we've talked about, they did a really good job about that, making you feel like it happened simultaneously. But the original ones, it it just didn't do it. Raccoon City nails it. Thanks, What If Game. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so let's go ahead and jump into our mid-break. And after we come back, we'll talk about characters, BOWs, and Easter eggs. Well, here we are. Hi there. In the middle of the <laughs> show. So, Daniel, what'd you bring for us today? Oh, of course, you're going to start with me first. Because mm-hmm. you said hi there. Mm-hmm. I just want to be a part of everything. Yeah, okay. You're a part of a podcast. Multiple podcasts. <laughs> I don't believe you. Anyways, so keeping with the theme of Operation Raccoon City, I did some scouring and apparently Amazon has the Operation Raccoon City original soundtrack. Or at least somebody's selling it on Amazon, so it is available. 
but it looks like right now they have it on sale for $13.30. This is the actual audio CD. This is not digital. So you can get the physical copy, which I would like to have physical copies of things. <laughs> so if you want to find it on Amazon, you just look up Resident Evil Operation Raccoon City original soundtrack. Actually, it says it's an import, so hopefully it's not. But it is a two-disc set. So we will post this in the show notes and more likely on Discord and the Lorecast Twitter. We'll see. (laughs) Yes, we will post it on all of the three of these. (laughs) Ariel, what do you got for us? (laughs) So, I know we talk about Welcome to Raccoon City a lot lately. Mm. It is one of the most important prevalent topics <laughs> right. of Resident Evil right now though. So I want to talk about the director of Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City mm-hmm. was discussing wanting parts of RE4 in the next movie. Wait, yes. did you say, well now hold on the next movie? Well I'm sure if they, you know, get the go ahead to do another movie it's not set in stone yet. But the director of the upcoming Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City, Johannes Roberts, spoke in a recent interview with SFX, where he talked about making the movie and his future plans for a potential series. Okay. During the interview, Roberts mentioned that he would want to bring parts of RE4 into the next movie. Hell yeah. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I am super excited about it because RE4 is my favorite. I mean, everybody that knows me knows that. Everybody so, listening to this podcast knows that. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, hopefully you got all those hints. You know, Leon wants, Leon's my boy. So um, it also talked about he would also be interested in bringing the stories of RE7 and RE8 Village to the series as well. So that would actually be pretty cool, too. I wasn't a huge fan of Seven, but, you know, whatever. But watching a movie on it would be a little different for me. It'd be pretty entertaining, and I would really like it. I mean, I I feel like Seven and Eight on their own could be movies. Uh, Yeah. See, Seven... Well, no, I'll discuss Seven more when we get into <laughs> Seven. It's not that I hated the game. I just didn't feel like it was a Resident Evil game. I'll just leave it at that until we discuss it more. So watching a movie on it, oh, heck yeah, that would be freaking awesome. So that's what I brought to the table, discussion of the next movie, potentially, mm-hmm. having parts of RE4 in it. Yes. That is pretty exciting. Yes. So before I start talking about what I brought to the table, I first want to take a minute to thank our listeners. Um, we want to thank you, number one, for listening and we also want to thank you for leaving reviews. We are looking at those reviews. Um, we do appreciate the feedback and we are taking it into consideration. Um, yeah. Any improvements we can make, we're always making them. Yeah, I was just kidding about the we'll see. We will definitely put the <laughs> links in the show notes. Yes. Um, as this process goes on and we, you know, are we're in our first year so there we're bound to make mistakes and we're 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 thankful that you as the fans are helping us to see where we can improve the show and what you truly want out of this so continue to give us your feedback it's always appreciated and stick with us because we're going to keep getting better 
And on that big thank you, I'm going to jump into what I brought today, which is potentially free Resident Evil Village DLC. Woo! So recently, Capcom's integrated financial report just was released. And in there, we now know, thanks to the loadout, that in there is mentioned that there will be free DLC as a discussion later on for RE Village. Its exact words in the report are, we will drive our customer management to understand the playing trends and preferences of users while also building a business model for online operations. Take into account the situation of our free additional DLC for titles such as Monster Hunter Rise and Resident Evil Village. So we don't have a time frame on this, but Monster Hunter, the, the some of the DLC was leaked and some of the free DLC for them is cosmetics. So we can only assume that some of the free DLC we're going to get is also going to be along the lines of cosmetics. Which, you know, it goes without saying. That's a usual kind of free thing. But it's pretty cool that the first DLC that we get is going to be a free one. Yeah, we all like free. Well, of course, everybody loves free. Um, but if you want to check that link out for yourself, you can go to pcgamer.com backslash Resident Evil Village. We'll be getting some free DLC. That is literally the web address <laughs> so you can go there check out that article for yourself um but yeah i'm pretty stoked we're gonna get some free dlc potentially yeah i'm pretty stoked about that too so on that note let's dive into the end of the show Well, welcome back from our mid-break. Hi there. <laughs> Hello. Since you're so anxious to go, Daniel, why don't you go ahead and go first? No, because I go first. Damn. All right. <laughs> next time. <laughs> Maybe after my next high there. So we're going to talk about characters, right? No, I was going to start discussing characters. <laughs> you guys are such dicks. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right. The character list here. So the characters on the USS part mm -hmm. are Karina Leprow, mm -hmm. and that's Lupo. You have Vector. You have Hector Hivers as Beltway. Vladimir Bodrovsky as Spectre. Michaela Schneider as Bertha. And Christine Yamada as Four Eyes. Okay, so for the Spec Ops part of it, you have Crispin Jettingham as DA. These names are so ridiculously hard. <laughs> <laughs> you have Caroline Floyd as Willow. Marissa Ronson as Tweed. Sienna Fowler, Party Girl. Erez Morris as Harley and Lawrence Kimbala as Shona? Shona, yeah. And then you have 
you know, Sherry Birkin, William mm-hmm. Birkin. You have Leon Kennedy, Claire Redfield, Jill Valentine, Carlos Oliveira, Hunk, Nikolai. Then you have Nighthawk and Ada Wong. So those are the characters in the game. Okay. It's a pretty uh pretty stellar cast there, actually. <laughs> even For with a you canon game. Yeah, even with you uh making fun of the characters' names. I wasn't making fun of them. They're just super hard to pronounce. Yeah, I'm really bad with names, so I apologize, <laughs> listeners. I am trying to get them right. All right, Daniel, what do you got for us? All right, so a lot of these BOWs are ones we've seen in previous games. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you the list, and there is at least one new one. So you have the T-00. You have the Tyrant T-103. The Liquor. The Crimson Head. Of course, your run-of-the-mill zombies. You have the Hunter A, the Cerberus. Let's see here. You also have the Elite Hunters. And you have the Parasite Super Tyrant, which would be our new one for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love how when we were looking through the BOW lists and getting it all together, we saw Backseat Zombie. <laughs> you serious? <laughs> That's all they're good for. It's just called Backseat Zombie. Backseat Zombie. Zombie Zombie who sits only in the backseat. Yep, there is a description of it, too. I won't go into it, but there is a description for that zombie. We'll save save that for next episode. We're going to talk about all the BOWs and characters. We definitely need to talk about Backseat Zombie, though, because... Uh, Yeah, I laughed because I thought it was funny. Backseat Zombie. I am intrigued. Right, well, with that list out of the way, I think it's time for us to discuss our Easter eggs. Are they filled with candy? Unfortunately, no. Aww. But they are some pretty sweet ones. Aha, see what I did there? <laughs> <laughs> Alright. So the first thing that stands out to all of us old school Resident Evil players is the Moonlight Sonata on the piano. When you're a little walking into the clock tower. The first thing that, stand, that stands out to all of us. Um, if you're not familiar with the Moonlight Sonata, it is a very, very, very prevalent song most of the time on the piano played throughout the Resident Evil series. It was one of the puzzles in RE1 to unlock a secret room. Speaking of RE1, let's jump into Barry Burton reference. So there is a bar in town named Barry's Tavern. It is easy to miss, though, because the Y is missing from the sign. And unless you get up on it, you won't see it. Bar Tavern. <laughs> it's not a it's not a huge Easter egg. And, and unfortunately, there wasn't a whole lot of Easter eggs like there were in the other games in this one. So a lot of the Easter eggs that we're going to get are nods to previous games or, you know, things like that. So <clears throat> another uh, interesting thing that I found was the Ashford family pictures are hanging in City Hall. And every single one of these pictures is the exact same picture from Code Veronica X that you can find hanging on the halls. So you have Alexander Ashford, you have Veronica Ashford, you have Arthur Ashford, and there is another picture of an Ashford that we're not entirely sure of who it is. 
There's speculation, but I'll let you find that one. It's not hard. It's in one of the storage rooms. And in Code Veronica X, it's actually one of the cutscenes, which we'll get to when we get to Code Veronica X. Um, but that being said, here's an interesting one. Stairway to the Sun is actually referenced in Resident Evil Raccoon City. How so? Oh, there it is. So when you're in the hospital, there are pamphlets on a rack. So one of the pamphlets actually reads, Resurrect Your Family Members. Another one reads, How to Survive an Apocalypse. And there's just a ton of funny ones. You got to look. They're hilarious. But one of them actually says on it that it is a descriptive book about the Stairway to the Sun. And it actually has the picture of the Stairway to the Sun from the cutscene in which you find the Stairway to Sunflowers in RE5. What a twist. I was thinking exactly that. (laughs) (laughs) So, another RE5 nod is the wrecked car. In one of the cutscenes, you can find... um, Sorry. In one of the alleyways, you can find a wrecked car that is on fire. Um, I can't tell you exactly which one of the alleys that you can find it in, but it is against a wall and there is a large, looks like truck right next to it. But if you look at it, it is an exact replica of the one that you pass on the very first mission as Chris. You will pass this wrecked, broke down car and it is the exact make, model, and styling of the car that you pass as Chris. You'd really have to, you know, be looking for stuff to really find that one. Yes, yeah. So, here is a RE4 nod. I'm listening. So, when you pick up items in RE4, you hear a little chime. That same chime is used in Operation Raccoon City when you pick up items. The exact same chime. I feel like they shouldn't be allowed to do that because they're killing Leon off. So you should not be able to use anything in four. Uh, That's the only reason, right? (laughs) (laughs) So an RE2 nod is the in the original RE2, Kendo's shop has a little different design. The sign has a little different design. It's placed a little differently uh, than the remake. The original Kendo shop can be found in Operation Raccoon City. The only difference between the two buildings is in Operation Raccoon City, you actually have a truck that is driven into the front of Kendo Shop and you cannot go into the shop. Where in RE2, it is an SUV that is parked out front of the shop and you can enter the Kendo Shop. Obviously, we know that. An RE3 nod. Now, these are both original nods. Keep that in mind. The Stagla gas station, which we briefly mentioned earlier in the episode, it's blown up in the original Resident Evil 3. Now, that same explosion aftermath can be seen in Operation Raccoon City when you go to the gas station. So, this is, again, like I said, I love how they've kind of shown us 
the intersecting paths of RE3 and RE2 in this one. It is unfortunate that nothing here is canon, but... How dare you say the word unfortunate? (laughs) So, two more uh, little nods to past games. Uh, Raccoon the mascot is a uh, collectible item in this game. There are two of them. One in City Hall and one of the police chief's office. If you collect them, you can get 350 XP points. Another little nod to the past games is the typewriters. I won't tell you. I'm going to leave this one up to you to find. Um, And it is an achievement in the games. There are three hidden typewriters that if you find all three, you get 350 XP awarded to you. And every time you click on one, you'll hear the little typing noise that the old typewriters used to make when you saved. So there are our Operation Raccoon City Easter eggs. Ooh, what a list. I, I Like I said, there's it's not it's not like we're used to where we see nods to other games or future content or, you know, even other series as, you know, nods to Alien and RE3 and things like that. But it's still pretty cool that it's nodding to itself. Oh, yeah. I was just saying, like, who would a list? Because the majority of those things, you'd have to really be mm-hmm. looking and know what you're looking at to even catch it. Yeah. And a lot of the, and honestly, a lot of these, I had to scour the interweb to find. Um, because even me playing it, looking through it, I didn't find a whole lot of Easter eggs. And I actually missed the RE5 nods. I'm going to just say right now that I'm kind of blind. I'm not really. But when I'm playing video games, I'm blind. I don't catch any Easter eggs in any (laughs) games whatsoever because, uh, nope, I don't pay attention enough for those things. I'm too busy trying to run away from all the shit trying to kill me. (laughs) So. So, yeah, it's they're not the most enthralling Easter eggs that we've seen, but they're still pretty cool. With all that being said, though, we're coming to the end of the episode. So I just want to say all jokes aside about my boy Leon, this game is a really great game. It's a lot of fun. It's action packed. It's definitely worth the play. So definitely play it if you haven't yet. Mm hmm. Yep. And there are little secret files and things in there that do give little nods to a little bit more hints and history of the RE series. Yeah, and just because it's not canon doesn't mean it's not a great Resident Evil game. Oh, yeah. So. Of course. Well, with all that being said, I guess we'll have to wait for your two reviews of the game after next episode. Yep, my Leon's out of Leon's. I mean, Leon is in this game. Do you want punched? Because <laughs> that's how you get punched. All right, well... On that note, we will bid everyone adieu and thank you for listening. See Bye. ya. Bye there. <laughs> I tried to be abrasive. See ya. Bye. Bye there. <laughs> Thanks for joining us tonight on the Resident Evil Lurecast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, 
tell a friend, leave a comment and review. If you want to keep chatting with us about all things Resident Evil, you can find us on the Robots Radio Discord. You can also chat with us at RE Lurecast on Twitter. Till next time, stay safe out there. And remember, we might have something that might interest you, stranger. What up tonight, City? You're listening to N54 Radio. This is DJ Sparks bringing you a new hit show from Night City, Cyberpunk, a Cyberpunk Red Live Play podcast. Listen as a ragtag group slamming on the corpos. Survive the streets and try to keep from being flatlined. You can tune in on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. DJ Sparks out! Hello, this is Charlie Transmutation coming to you with another PSA announcement. No, Charlie. This is a commercial. What? Crap. Nobody told me that. Well, what are you supposed to do in this thing anyway? Well, Charlie, I'm glad you asked. This is the part where we introduce our new homebrew 5e D&D podcast, The Fumbling Four and the Almighty Crit, where we explore the homebrew world of Alteris using homebrew rules and homebrew material from the Dungeon Master's Guild. Yeah, sounds boring. I'm out of here. See you later, Charlie. We hope to have you guys come check us out soon. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts.